Awesome, awesome. Come on, give God a good hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as you're opening up in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter number 6 is where we're going to start. 2 Kings chapter number 6, beginning in verse 8. Hey, I want to celebrate with you guys today. You guys are part of a history-making day here at the Way Bible Church. Isn't that awesome? I love it. And, and here's how you're making history. I've heard this over and over throughout the past years. Joel, I wish I would have been a part of it when you guys met in the hotel. No, no, you really don't. <laughs> Come on, Linda, give me, give me some on that. Linda, Linda, can you stand? I'm going to embarrass you. I'm, I'm, I'm a little loud down here, guys. Can you pull me down just a little bit, Jason? Um, Linda was the fifth person to be at the Way Bible Church. And she is wearing the vintage first T-shirt that we ever had at TWBC. And so, Linda, we're grateful that you've been here with us 20 years in the process. And some of you guys have said, Joel, I wish I would have been there when you were in the building in North Davis and Glover Street. And I wish we would have been there at the first baptism service. And I wish we would have been there when you made the transition from that building to this building. And I wish we would have been there when we finished out the upstairs in this building. And I wish we would have been there when, well, guess what? You get to be a part of somebody else's. I wish I would have been there when they only did two services. Because now we're in a history-making day. We're going to three services permanently. At TWBC. Joining the journey that God has us on. And get ready. Next year we're going to four services. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? You think I'm playing. Y'all get ready. Next year we're going to four services. And I'm excited about it already. And so you're in on a groundbreaking announcement of what's going to be happening next year at some point. And hey... Our community deserves the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll go to 52 services if we have to. I'm so excited about what God is doing and the anointing and the call that God has on TWBC right here. And so, man, I'm just pumped about this history-making day, and I'm glad that you can join us and be a part of, a, part of it with us. And with that, on every time that God calls us to take a big step of faith, and man, I love you guys in the balcony. Y'all look so good. I mean, y'all look good up there. And um, every time God calls us to take a big step of faith, like, I don't really sleep kind of good the night before, right? Like, the first time we did Super Sunday, it's like, oh my gosh, is anybody going to show up? Or is this huge auditorium going to have like 200 people in it and we're going to look silly? And, and I was nervous about, is anybody going to show up for 8.30 service? And, and is anybody going to show up for the 10 o'clock service? And what about the 11.30 service? And so all these things are going through my head. And, and I... I don't want to sound like I was being super spiritual, but last night I had to come up here to, 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 to put my notes in the computer and get ready for this morning, and, and, and I was spending some time praying and, and just thanking God for all the things He's brought us through in the last 20 years and what He's bringing us into, and, and I was up there, and I, I was being grateful, but it wasn't like this super spiritual thing that I had wrote down of, God, and I remember when, and I remember then. I, was, I just remember posting, I'm grateful for the last 20 years and what God's brought us through. And I went downstairs and, and I was reading uh, some of the scripture that I'm going to read this morning and I was kind of going over my message a little bit and I heard a knock on the, 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 the door out there and I didn't know who it was and I really didn't get to go, I didn't get up and go check because I just, I just didn't. You know, somebody else like, well, that's kind of rude. I just, I just didn't get up. I was, I was, I don't want to sound spirit. I wasn't studying. I was, just, I was there. And then a little bit later, my nephew comes in, Zach comes in and says, Joel, there's a, there's a couple outside that wants to talk to you. And, and I was like, okay. And so I got up and I went and met him. And I want to talk to you about how God can confirm over and over 
what he's doing at TWBC and, and for all the things we've gone through this year. Uh, I went out and, and I met him and they, and they said, Pastor Joel, we want you to know two things. We believe in you and we believe in this church. And I just began to, to tear up and I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> that somebody's showing up the night before right just to tell me that they believe you know <laughs> listen this is this is the real joel here okay uh, that, that they truly believe and then they did the most astounding thing they said we want you to know that we believe in you and how much we believe in the church and with that they said that, that the first sunday of every month is legacy offering with that they handed me a check for two hundred and forty thousand dollars Come on. Praise God. Amen. And they handed me the check, and then I just began to bawl, right? It's like, thank you so much. But they wanted to leave a legacy. And what they did, in Legacy Sunday, if it's your first Sunday here, it's the first Sunday of every month. Everything that comes in with tithes and offerings, and you can give on the app, the website, and the envelope, and everything that comes in, we put it all aside for the next building that TWBC is going into. And many of you were there on Super Sunday when I expressed my great heartache of like, I so wanted that to be the day when we'd break ground and tell you we're going into a new building, but it just didn't happen. And I said, we're going to three services because we'll keep expanding the kingdom of God while he builds the building. And I want you to know God is still working in the hearts of people to expand the kingdom of God. And I want to challenge you, and I didn't challenge this couple. They just came and did it. But I'm going to challenge you that what you believe in, will you sow into it? And, and, and I believe that's just the first of, of, of it's kind of like when, when the first domino falls, it just sets the course of action for everything else. I pray that this encourages your faith to help believe God. Believe in God that he is the God of the impossible. And he can make all things happen. And we're celebrating with what God is doing. And so I'm eternally grateful that they began to take the step of faith and say, we believe and this is how we're going to show you we believe. And so as you believe the things for God, take a step of faith. We believe that God is expanding his kingdom through TWBC. So we're going to three services today and we're not going back. And we'll go to four services next year and we're not going back. And we're going to keep expanding and increasing and growing and let God worry about the building projects and everything else. But we are about expanding the kingdom of God and we want you in on this journey. So I'm going to ask you this morning and you can use this hashtag. Would you like join the journey? Join the journey that we're on. And as we're jumping into 2 Kings chapter number 6, verses 8, and we're going to read through 18, the title of this series is called Stranger Things. Stranger Things is the title of the series. Now, Stranger Things is a series on Netflix. I've never seen it because I don't have Netflix. But as we talked about in first service, Corey still has his mom's Netflix account that she said I could borrow. And I'm like, Corey, you're married. You got a baby on the way. Get your own Netflix account. And then I'm like, no, don't, because you got a baby on the way and save all that money you can. Preach somebody. Don't get that Netflix account, right? And so I've never seen any of this series, but it's a series where it's set in the 1980s. Can I get a shout out for the 80s? Come on, somebody. The 1980s in Indiana, where a group of young friends witnessed supernatural forces going on in their community. And with that, they begin, to, they begin to search for answers, and the children unravel a series of extraordinary mysteries. 
And that's what we want this October series to be about. We want to explore a series of supernatural mysteries that God just didn't do in the Bible, but that God still wants to perform miracles today. And we want to get in touch with the supernatural power of God. And we call it Stranger Things because some of you are looking at me like now, like this is a stranger thing and where are we headed? But what's strange to us isn't strange to God. And if we're created in His image and created in His likeness, and if we're aspiring to be like Christ in every way, we need to get in touch with the God that Jesus knew, not the God that you heard about at Vacation Bible School. Come on, somebody. We're here. And so in that, you may witness some things that physically may seem like stranger things, but they're not strange to God. And if they're not strange to God, I don't want them to be strange to me. So over the next few weeks, we're going to pick out strange and weird stories in the Bible. And the title of this message is, You're Not That Weird. Come on, somebody. That should just affirm you have found your place to call home. You are not that weird. And with that, you're not that weird, but you do have to realize there is a supernatural side to life. You have to realize there's a supernatural side to life that is more than the natural physical world that you operate in. No longer do you live under the theology is I'm saved here today and born again, but I'll get to heaven one day. No, heaven wants to encounter you today. And he wants, Jesus prayed this in the Lord's Prayer and it set the mandate for who we're called to be. He said, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus was even imploring us to pray for heaven to come to the earth so people can encounter almighty awesome God and change the world that they live in. With that, it's going to look strange to those people who are not accustomed to the things of God. Just like they think it's strange that people will get up at 8.30 in the morning and come to a church service. Well, they haven't encountered God the way you have. So let's let them encounter God the way you have. And so the great news is, is you're not that weird. The second part of the great news is, you're not the only one with your problem. That ought to be confirming to some of you people. That ought to be confirming to everybody in the house. Like, I'm not the only one going through a marriage struggle right now. Even though the couple across the sanctuary looks like they got the model marriage, it may not be that great. You're not the only one with kids that don't want to get off the iPad. Come on, somebody. Can can I be real? You're not the only one that has a kid that throws the fit when you ask him to get off the Xbox. You're not the only one with your problem. You're not the only one that lives paycheck to paycheck. You're not the only one who's gone through an illness in your family. You're not the only one with your problem. And if we can realize that everybody has their own certain struggle at an own certain point in life, we'll realize when God can come through and encounter that problem and change it for His glory, we'll begin to walk in what the world says is stranger things. And so as we read this account in the, in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 6, verses 8 through 20, I love this story, and it's Elisha, and he's got a servant with him, and he's going to open his eyes to see some things that Elisha saw that his servant didn't see. And I want to start in verse number 8, and it says, Once the king of Syria was warring, or at war with Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word... 
to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place. The man of God is Elisha. Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there, and the king of Israel sent to this place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, and so that it saved himself there more than once or twice. So Elisha had the ability to tell the king of Israel, don't go over here or don't go over there because somebody's waiting on you to kill you, and he diverted him more than once or twice. And on verse 11 it says, And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called to him his servants and said to them, Will you not show me the one who is for the king of Israel? Meaning, he called all his servants together and says, There's a traitor in my camp. Which one of you is it? Who is for Israel? Because they keep knowing where I'm going to be before I'm even there. And the Bible says this, And one of his servants said, None, my lord. None of us are for, for the king of Israel. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That's even a good part of the story. I just wanted to throw that in there. The real passage to my scripture starts in a couple verses. But, but I, want to, I want to tell you something. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness... God was very upset with them because he says, I've heard the murmuring and the complaining in your tents. And what he was saying is that night when you go to bed and you lay down on your pillow, all the murmuring and complaining of how God is not faithful, of how, how God did not come through about all these things, you're not the only one who hears it. God hears what you say on your pillow at night in your own head before you go to bed. He knows your thoughts and your minds and your actions. The prophet was so in tune with God that he actually was able to hear from God about what the king of Syria was saying in his bedroom when the doors were closed. Come on, that, that's, that's a stranger thing. <laughs> but it shouldn't become strange to us, not because you can eavesdrop. But wouldn't it be neat if your kids were in bed and they were like, I don't really want to go to bed. And you're in the living room and you could walk in there and it's like, I heard what you just said. See, it's fun when you're doing it on your kids, but if it's done to you, you're like, I don't know if I like this no more, right? So I want to encourage you with the words that you speak, with the things that you say, do it with great caution and great care because God hears and God knows. And he said, the, he said, the prophet Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. Basically said, I want to go kill this guy so he quits tattling on me to the king of Israel. It was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So you got Elisha and his servant in the city, and the army surrounds the whole city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning, and he went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Elisha said to the servant, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Here's the great part of Stranger Things, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened up the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down, and when the Syrians, when, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed, 
to the Lord and said, please strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in according to the prayer of Elisha. Now, I love Elisha's temperance of grace because Elijah, when he had the, the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven and burned them all up. <laughs> Elisha opened the eyes of his servant and said, see, we got chariots and fire and God is surrounding the army that has surrounded us. <laughs> So when you think you're surrounded by your problem, there's a promise that's surrounding your problem. And, and the problem with the servant was he saw the problem, but God had to open his eyes to see the promise that was surrounding the problem. And my heart this morning is that you'll actually be able to open your eyes and see what God is doing in the midst of your problem, realizing that it doesn't matter what the problem is because everything that comes to your life, it may not have started from the hand of God, but it does have, it does have to end at the throne of God because you're His. Now, now hear me on this. Whatever situation you're going through, it didn't have to start from God, but it does have to end with God because you're born again, you're blood-bought, you're His child. And listen, if He's going to hold true to His promise that I make all things work together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purposes, it may not have started with the hand of God, but it does have to end at the throne of God so the problem that came to you becomes the promise from Him. Come on, that's good. So whatever you feel like is surrounding you right now, there is a greater promise surrounding your problem. Amen. I'm praying that God open our eyes to see that the problem that surrounds us is dwarfed by the promise that surrounds it. The Syrian army was huge. This servant was freaking out. And he's like, oh, we're going to die. Prophet, do something. He was thinking about the story of Elijah. Caught out fire from heaven. That's what your, that's what your predecessor did. And he just simply said, God, can you open his eyes to see so he can see what I see? How many of you know when you're not in the moment, it's easier to see what the person in the moment can't see? And I want you to realize that your point of view can be changed by a perspective from your current viewpoint. And as we talk about this this morning, there's three things I really want you to, to get throughout this series, and it's this about Stranger Things. I want your faith to become real. I don't want faith to be some supernatural weird thing that you think is it only happens to certain special people. No, I want your faith to become alive. I want it to become real to you, that you open your eyes and see what God is doing. I want the reality of what is actually happening in your life to, to show up. Not the problem, but the promise. The reality of what is actually going on. See, the reality of what the servant thought was going on was completely changed with the reality of what was actually going on. God just had to open up his eyes so he could see it. And finally, it's this. I want you to be able to see, hear, and feel what God sees, hears, and feels. So there's your topics for the next three Sundays. Today we're talking about seeing it differently. Seeing it from God's point of view. So for the theme of this message is for you to actually see what you are going through and not just physically see what you're going through. That's the theme of the message. So your point of view is not all that it's meant to be. It is not your point of view. It is the perspective from your view that will give you the power to see. So it's not just your point of view. It's your perspective from your point of view that will give you the power to see what God is actually doing. Sometimes we think God is giving us a pathway out of a situation because of our problem, but actually he's creating a pathway to come into our situation and our problem. See, we're asking for God to take us out. He's, God's asking us to let him in. 
And sometimes God won't get into your situation until you recognize the problem, but you're praying for the problem to be a pathway out when God says your problem is my pathway in. I'm going to let that set in. Because if some of you will think about some of the situations that you're going through that didn't start from you, and even if they did start from you, they still got to end at his throne, okay? So, so have hope. But sometimes you go through things that you have no control over and your problem's surrounding you. And when your problem begins to surround you, I want you to not just get the point of view of what you see, but get a new perspective of the view from where he sees it as. So he's calling you to come up higher and see things a little bit differently. So sometimes we think God, we pray that God is giving us a pathway out, but our pathway out is actually his pathway in to the situation. The servant would never have seen the angel armies of God surrounding his problem if the problem hadn't surrounded him. And with this, I want to talk about two key words throughout the rest of this message. It's going to be the words translation and the word interpretation. Translation and interpretation. We are, wa- we are always wanting a translation, but God works with interpretation. We always want it translated to a way that we can understand it. God works on interpretation. Listen, translation is the process of translating words or text from one language to another. A translation about the same situation means you'll have the same problem just from a different viewpoint. If all we're asking for is a translation, we're going to have the same problem. We're just looking at it differently. My problem doesn't change whether I talk to you about it in English or whether I talk to you about it in French. My problem doesn't change if I talk to you about it in Mandarin Chinese or if I talk to you about it in Russian. My problem doesn't change by a different translation. I just look at it differently with a different translation. The struggle occurs because our situation is never moved by a translation. You're getting the same problem just in a different text. We're getting the same issue. It's just spoken about differently. We just whine about it a little different. We just worry about it a little different. And we call it prayer. (laughs) Come on, somebody. We whine about it a little different. We just do it to different people in different ways to get them to justify our pity parties. Come on, somebody. I feel like I'm Elisha all alone. (laughs) And the Syrian army is surrounding me, right? So we need to get a different translation. I I remember talking to uh, one of my friends who who is a principal now, and when her her first principal gig, they were putting on this kids' carnival, you know, like they always do in October to raise funds and stuff like that. They're putting on this kids' carnival. And they had to print up a flyer, so they printed it up in English, but they had to translate it into Spanish. And so they went to Google Translate when it first came out. And the flyer said this, come to the kids' carnival, or or, come to the carnival, bring your kids, we're going to eat, and we're going to have a great time. When they translated it through Google Translate, it said, come to the carnival, bring your baby goat, we're going to eat because kid, it translates baby goat. Bring your baby goat. We're going to eat and have a great time. That afternoon when all the parents got the flyer, her phone started blowing up. Because all the Hispanic people were calling her and said, where do we bring the baby goats? When are we going to eat? How are we going to cook them? Is there going to be a fire? Are we co- what does this look like? We love this idea. And she was so confused, she had to go back and read the flyer, and she realized the problem in translation. Come on, that's funny. 
Some of you are asking God to fix your problem and you're wondering why you're getting baby goats. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God doesn't work with translation. God works with interpretation. And here's the thing about translation. Translate, a translation means we are wanting our problems in a different text justifying our reasons not to change. Many of us want to translate our problem in a different text to get the sympathy card so we really don't have to change. We'll go to 10 different Bibles and read 10 different translations out of 10 different Bibles to justify us not needing to change, hoping the Word of God will change, but maybe it's not the Word of God that needs to change. Maybe it's Joel that needs to change. Maybe it's me that has to change. And I'll go to the Bible and read it in Old King James and New King James and American Standard and English Standard and all these other NIVs and TPT, the, the Passion Translation, and we got the Message Translation. And I'll read it in 10 different translations, Brother Charles, so I don't got to change. Maybe the Word of God will change. But His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so maybe it's Joel who needs to change. And when I begin to know that I need to change, I'll go from translation to interpretation. From translation to interpretation. Now listen to what interpretation means. Interpretation, it's the action of explaining the meaning of something. Listen to what translation is. It's the process of translating words or text from one language to another. So listen to what God is saying. God is a God who works with interpretation. So he says, I want to be in on the action of changing your surroundings. I don't want to just tell you a process of how to change your surroundings. Right. See, we're asking God for a process to change our surroundings. He's saying, I want to give you an interpretation, which is an action of the actual meaning of what you're going through. So when you actually know what you're actually going through, you'll see it from my perspective, not your point of view. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. So interpretation is the action of explaining the meaning of something. When we ask for interpretation, we want more than our point of view. We want a heavenly perspective of our view. God, what's actually going on with this problem that's surrounding me? And how are you surrounding my problem with your promise? How are we surrounding it? And listen to this in Genesis chapter 40 verse 8. This is Joseph, and it's not Joseph, the father of Jesus. It's Joseph in the book of Genesis, uh, who you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. He had a son named Joseph, right? And so you have Joseph in the book of Genesis who makes this verse in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, come alive when we talk about interpretations. And the two people that were in prison with him said to Joseph, we have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. He didn't say translate, he said interpret. There's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Now that's profound. Joseph was saying only God can interpret. Only God can interpret to you properly what you're going through. Only God can interpret it. And the problem is, we want God to translate it for us so we can understand it. We don't want an interpretation so we know the meaning of it. Because somehow we think if we understand the problem, it'll go away. It doesn't go away. It only gets bigger when you understand it. Right? But when you get the meaning of it, it changes everything. So he said, interpretations belong to God. Now listen, when Joseph quit trying to interpret his own dream and started interpreting other people's dream, God brought him to his dream. 
When he quit wondering, how am I going to get out of this prison? Because this isn't the interpretation of my dream that I thought it would be. And he started interpreting other people's dream. When he started interpreting their dream, it got him out of his situation. So my, my objective for you on that is simply this. I know you have a problem. But I can't fix my own problem right now, or I already, I already would have. So in that, I'm not going to neglect it. I'm going to bring it before him, but I'm also not going to neglect his work, and I'm going to start helping other people fix their problems. And if I start helping other people with their needs, then God will help me with my needs. Because you never know the very person that you help may be the very person that can bring you to the Pharaoh or the king to get you to interpret his dream. Do not interpretations belong to God. Sometimes the enemy is not your problem. Sometimes the enemy is actually your purpose. If you only have translation, you'll keep asking God to take it away. But what if David would have said, God, just take Goliath away, and he didn't go out and slay the problem? See, sometimes the very enemy that you're facing is the purpose you were created for. Sometimes the very enemy that's confronting you is the very reason God put you on planet Earth. Sometimes we think poverty in Sulphur Springs is the problem, but what if it actually is the purpose of the church to fix? Come on. Let's use, it, let's use it even better when it's even more of a hot button topic. What if racism is not the problem? What if racism is the purpose? What if it's the purpose that God is showing us about racism so the church actually has a problem to fix to prove that there's a God in heaven that wants a pathway to come in, not just us to get a pathway out? What if your purpose is manifesting itself in the shape of a problem that's in front of you? And if God would, or David would have said, God, please just take Goliath away, his purpose would have stood out there another 40 days calling his name. See, some of your problems are calling your name because God's calling you to go slay the problem to find your purpose that manifests in the promise. I'm going to get you guys on board with this. I'm going to get you there. And I realize you're hearing it for the first time, and I've preached this 25 times already, okay, in my head. And out loud in my office. And y'all would think I'm crazy in my quiet times, I'm just telling you. And so, so with this, what if the major problem you're facing is really the call to find your purpose? If David wouldn't have went out and slayed the problem of Goliath, he would have never found his purpose to be the king of Israel and to be the king of Israel that would then lead out into the lineage of Jesus Christ, the, the son of God coming into the earth. So his purpose wasn't to kill Goliath. Goliath was the problem that he made into the purpose to get into the kingdom to get Jesus Christ to come into the earth. And what if the problem that you fix today becomes your purpose for tomorrow that you don't know what it has 20 generations down the line it's going to have an effect on? So your problem that you're asking for a pathway out of, God is saying, that's my pathway into, but you got to trust in me. And I love what David did. He didn't just kill Goliath. He killed him and took his own sword and cut his own head off. And then gave his sword to the priest and used it later in another battle to kill some more people. <laughs> See, your, your problem isn't your problem. Your perspective is your problem. And when your perspective is your problem, you'll never get the right interpretation. So I want you to get the right interpretation of what's going on. We got to realize this. The event is not the same as the interpretation. The event that you're going through 
is not the same as the interpretation. What do I mean by that? It's explained in the book of, uh, of Philippians, chapter number 1, verses 12 and 13. The event is not the same as the interpretation. So as we start seeing it differently, the situation is not the same as the interpretation we're going through. The Apostle Paul is writing this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And guys, he's writing this from a prison cell. How come God is always using people in prisons? <laughs> Joseph is in a prison. <laughs> he got to the promise. Paul was in the prison. He found a purpose. Some of you feel like you're in a prison. Good, you're so close to God's breakthrough for your life. Hallelujah. Some of y'all need to celebrate that. Your marriage is in a prison. Good. God can now show up and break through. But listen to what he says. He says in Philippians chapter 1, 12 and 13, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened, me being put in prison, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So what all you guys are praying for me to get out of prison, the prison isn't my problem. The prison is actually served to advance the gospel. Because it's served to advance the gospel because now it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. So he wasn't now just reaching people. He was reaching the leaders who then lead the people. <laughs> Come on, that's so good. It's like when we did Extreme Teacher Lounge Makeover. We couldn't reach all the kids, so we're going to influence the ones that influence the most. That's the teachers. Paul said, what you actually think is a prison has actually become my promise. Because now that I'm in prison, I'm reaching the Imperial Guard, and they all know about my imprisonment and what I'm here for. I'm here for Jesus. Come on. I just love that name. The name Jesus is awesome. I'm here for Jesus. The event, Paul said, you all think the event is the worst thing ever, but I'm going to tell you what the event really is. He was saying, God, open the eyes of your servants to see. And Paul said this, brothers, what has happened to me has really served. And I like how it says really served. It means the real reason I'm here. What has happened to me, what the world says is horrible. God said, I'm fixing to use it to advance the gospel in a way that it could never have been advanced before. Because now that I'm stuck here and I can't go from place to place, I'm going to write letters that will be remembered 2,000 years later. And they'll be preaching about it in a country in the United States, in the state called Texas, that Paul, you don't even know exists yet. But your prison has now become the promise for the Way Bible Church thousands of years down the line. It's who he called us to be. So in this moment, what event are you going through? And he said, Is it, it really has served to advance the gospel. Now that advance doesn't mean we're cruising along on a sailboat on calm waters. The term advance in the Greek literally means this. To make painful headway in spite of severe blows. I love what the Bible says. Though a righteous person falls seven times, he gets up again. <laughs> I don't know how many times you've fallen. I don't know how many times you've had setbacks. I don't know how many times this week you've been punched square in the nose. I don't know how many times it feels like you've been a spiritual punching bag, but I'm telling you to get back up again. Get back up that eighth time. Just keep walking again. Take one more step of faith. I don't care if the money hasn't came through yet. I'm going to stand up again, and I'm still going to proclaim that he's a good, good father, and he's faithful for all that he's promised. And I'm going to set out on, on a mission with TWBC and we're going to advance the gospel 
Whatever it looks like. And y'all, sometimes it is making painful headway in spite of severe blows. But you know what? He's faithful to heal every blow. He's faithful to come through every time. He's faithful when I'll get his perspective, not my point of view. When I'll get his viewpoint and his vantage point, not my point of view on the problem. He's faithful to come through. And I want to close with this. With God, many things physically would be translated death, but God's interpretation is life. What does that mean? Many things physically translate to death, but God's interpretation of them is life. Interpretation is life. And if you'll get the right interpretation, it'll bring you life. The world saw Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on a cross and the devil thought he had won when he died on the cross of calvary but what meant death for the devil meant life for every believer today and life for every christian in the room and life for the whole world if they'll receive jesus christ as their lord and savior so what the world translates as death and it's going to kill you god says but i always got a resurrection morning coming and I'm seeing life, not death. And Jesus said it, and he said, for the joy set before me. He didn't say for the cross set before me. He said, for the joy that's been set before me. I got to endure this event called the cross. The cross translated death, but the interpretation is life. And I'm telling you this morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're looking at this thing and me preaching and being excited. It's like, what's the deal it's because you hadn't had my interpretation and I'm going to ask you in just a minute if you don't know Christ to get an interpretation of the cross the action of what the meaning really meant not a translation a processing of text oh that's so good see the encounter with Jesus Christ because of the cross is an interpretation it's a meaningful action that God did that I can encounter and have my own event moving from death to life. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go pray with one of our prayer partners all around this building. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to run and not walk to one of the prayer partners that are around the building. This morning, I know many of you are in pain. I know many of you are dealing with brokenheartedness. I know many of you are struggling to even find purpose of even being here this morning. And in just a minute, I want you to go to a prayer partner and let them pray over you and let God give you a true interpretation, a true perspective of what's going on. Some of you need to take the communion service, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. If you want to line up between section one and two, you're welcome to do that. Right now, online family, we love you. Thank you for being here. Send us a message. We want to hear from you. We want to pray for you as well. Thank you for joining us this morning. You are dismissed.